Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. Hello and welcome to Rob from the Internet Talks About Beer, a show where we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles, we give shout outs to breweries we think make exceptional beer, and we talk about whatever else happens to come to mind during the course of the conversation. Uh, if you like what I'm doing, if you appreciate the kind of edutainment that I am providing, I would appreciate if you could click like and subscribe and maybe click the little bell to be notified when new episodes come out because, well, this here is a new episode, so you might not know when it comes out. Uh, you know, without further ado, I'm Rob from the internet. Let's talk about beer. So joining me today is uh, one of my internet buddies from Twitter. Uh, this is uh, Jerry Hulla. Jerry, if you could tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into craft beer, and what you do when you're not drinking or talking about craft beer. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on the show, Rob. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think I got into craft beer a little bit, a little bit in college. I think I got exposed to it, but uh it was in my past life of coaching. I spent over 30 years uh, coaching athletics, women's volleyball. Uh, and I had a friend who was really into craft beer. And uh, interestingly enough, it was one of those things where he's like, uh, well, let me let me pick beers for you. You know, you're not going to really know what you want. And uh, he's like, but one of the things I do know is you're, you're not going to like IPAs. So uh, I'm, I'm going to pick beers for you. And uh, flash forward to now, the irony of the fact that since I joined Untapped in 2015, I have over 1,300 different IPA check-ins. I don't think that friend knew what he was talking about. <laughs> you, you kids and your IPAs, I tell you Yeah, what. and the funny thing <laughs> is it was that, but now I would say probably since the pandemic moving forward, I really – I got IPAs, but I just really don't drink that many anymore. I mean, I'm into the clean classic styles and um, into trying different types of styles and beers. And so uh, he wasn't 100% right, but it, it was interesting. Uh, so uh, shifted from coaching to, uh, you know, craft beer, wanted to do more with craft beer in the industry. So I started my own podcast uh, called Share a Pint and started that in November 2019. And uh Ran bi-weekly for about a year and a half, and uh, then I took a job in the industry uh, at an undisclosed brewery that's very large on the East Coast in the top 25 uh, <laughs> size and production, uh, and now I just literally can't do podcasts right now because of the hours that I work, um, so there you go. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> so. You it went from coaching volleyball to being in the in the beer industry. That's uh, that's a little bit of a swing in careers there, my friend. <laughs> yeah, kind of like uh, I've changed lives. It's my second life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, you talk about uh, how you've had so many IPAs. Uh, regular listeners and all my friends know I'm not much of an IPA guy. Uh, mm -hmm. If I'm going to drink an IPA, it's going to be an old school, traditional English IPA. That's the only one that I recognize as an IPA. The rest of them are just, you know, 
they're fads. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you can keep you can keep your juicy, hazy, nebulous, super frothy, fruity East Coast stuff, and you're so bitter it makes my whole face want to pucker West Coast stuff. Uh, <laughs> just give me the old school traditional, man. That's uh, you know, I, I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm a big uh, malt backbone beer kind of guy, so I, I tend to gravitate towards the the heavier malt bills as opposed to the heavier hop bills. So mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, no, I agree right. with you. And like I said, during the pandemic, I shifted and, and, and got a lot more away from the IPAs that I'd been drinking, um, which, again, is ironic because the brewery that I work at pretty much just cranks out IPAs. Every once in a while, they'll crank out something different. And I'm like, yay. And we're like, oh, you just do IPAs. And so, yeah, I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. So so do you live on the East Coast now that you're working for a brewery? Yeah, I do. My, my, my family's in Maryland. I, I, I was born and raised and grew up in Maryland. And then obviously with coaching was moving all over the country. Uh, right. But stepped out of coaching and moved back into the Maryland area for family. And that's when I kind of shifted and said, oh, I've always had this passion for craft beer. I've done some home brewing. I, you know, I'd, I really like to get into the industry. Let's let's see what happens. Uh, and that's how the podcast kind of came about and from the podcast made enough connections and things to uh, get me the job that I'm at currently. Nice. Nice. So uh, w- without disclosing too much, are you in the, the, the production, the distribution or the sales aspect of, I am in production. Yes, I'm in production and uh, I will throw more of a tidbit out that while I live in Maryland, uh, the brewery I work at is out of state. So I do a lot of back and forth travel, spend a lot of time on gotcha. the road to and from work. So. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no worries. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you who you work for. If you don't want to disclose it, if you don't feel it's appropriate, that's perfectly fine. I'm just kind of wondering what your role is, you know? So, so, yeah. so I, so we have a little bit of a, a frame of reference for when we're having our conversation. All right. So today's conversation is going to be on German style Hellas lagers. Uh, for people who don't know, Hellas actually just means pale. So, uh, you know, it should be like a, a nice pale yellow to a, to a light golden yellow color. Um, you know, it should have, uh, I don't know, it should have pretty low bitterness. I think they're typically, what, uh, 15 to 25 or so for IBUs. And uh, alcohol also is going to be fairly low, somewhere in the 4.5 to 6% range, unless they're getting crazy with it and trying to push the envelope a little far. Um, for people who are interested in this sort of thing, the proper glassware is a fluted glass and proper serving temperature is 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, uh, 10 to 12 and a half degrees Celsius for my metric friends. Um, you know, and, and this is one of those great beers for beer lovers. Um, it's, if you like, if you like a classic beer flavored beer, a Hellas Lager is the thing to go to. So today I am going to be drinking one that's local to me here in Ontario. I am drinking one from uh, Wellington Brewing. Uh, it's their Wellington Ellis Lager. Nice, nice. I will be having the uh, oldest brewery in Germany, Weinstefaner, going with their Hellas. And not a bad choice by any stretch of the means. I mean, well, thank you. There's a reason why I, I sadly do not so have the proper glassware like you do. Um, uh, but uh, I do have this really cool Nordic uh, drinking mug. So oh, there you go. Maybe it'll that, offset that, the... Well, you know, um, proper glassware is 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 fine, um, and it will add to the experience because it's designed around the style of beer and everything. 
But mm-hmm. I always say a good beer is a good beer no matter what glass is in. If it's in the proper glassware, if it's an improper glassware, if it's right out of the can, if it's in a red Solo cup, if it's a good beer, it's a good beer. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so I get off of this. Um, you know, uh, it's pretty low, pretty low hop aroma. I mean, almost non-existent on this one. Uh, and, you know, obviously it only uses the noble style hops and, and uh, with the low amount of hopping that's done to this style of beer, you're not going to get a whole lot of aroma. Um, you should get a little bit of like uh, a bready or crackery aroma with it as well. Um, and you should also get that in the flavor. I mean, you should have, uh, you should, you know, it should be uh, reminiscent of fresh, l- light bread, not, not your heavy brown breads, but like a whiter bread um, or, or a, like a light rye style that lighter style of breads. Uh, you shouldn't really have any fruity or floral esters coming off of it, and there shouldn't be any spicy, peppery-type things going on either. It should just be a nice, clean, you know, clean beer. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what this is. And with the temperatures that we've been experiencing in, in North America here lately, it is uh, it is more than welcome to have a nice, crisp, clean, light beer. Absolutely. So you so you were a coach for women's volleyball. Mm-hmm. What level were you at? Were you at the collegiate level? Were you at the high school level? Were you at the uh, co-ed rec center level? <laughs> uh, for over 30 years of coaching, I've pretty much coached every level there is. Uh, all levels of college here in the U.S., all three levels of NCAA, uh, NAIA, JUCO, uh, you know, high school club. Uh, and then internationally, I coached at an Olympic level as well. Uh, for the parallel. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That that that's really cool. All right. So uh I, I didn't mention it earlier. I did mention that the, you know, it should be like a pale to a golden color. I mean, if you look at this one, mm-hmm. it is it is a golden color. I mean, it is uh it looks really yellow right now on, on the screen to me, but in person it's more of a it's more of a dark golden color. Uh it's completely clear. So it should mm-hmm. be should be clear to to brilliantly clear. Um and the carbonation on this is true to form, so it's lots of little bubbles, but not like, not like, uh, you know, being due to like dirty glasses or nicked wear. There should just be medium carbonation to the visuals, and it should be that way in your mouth too. It shouldn't be overly carbonated. It should be a nice light carbonation on this one. Excuse me a second. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> problem with beer is carbonation. Well, exactly. So, if you had to pick. If you had to pick one style of beer that you would say currently is your favorite, what would it be? Well, good question. Um, now, I might have broad stroked this with my answer, but I'm going to go with lagers. Um, yeah. You know, I just, um, it was really interesting when I talk with uh, Zach Rissmiller at 1623 Brewing. Uh, they're in Eldersburg, um, just outside of Westminster, so here in Maryland. Uh, he has grown up brewing 10 plus some years in Colorado, uh, which, you know, is kind of a mecca for craft beer. Um, And he's won a lot of medals, uh, GABF, World Beer Cup, things like that, for clean classic styles, you know, Hefeweizens, Pilsners, things like that. And it was during my interview with him about a couple years ago that he said, when I go into a brewery, the first thing I'm going to want to try is a clean classic style, a lager, a Pilsner, something like that. He said, because you can't hide behind that. 
He said, if you have brewing right. flaws, if you're, if you have technical, he said, you just can't dump a bunch of adjuncts into it, like a stout or an IPA and hop your way out of it. He said, you're going to know. He said, so I'll go for a clean classic style. And if it's a good beer, then chances are everything else the brewery does is going to be a good beer. Uh, and it was weird. It just, the way he said it with his background and the guy, it was just, it hit me like an epiphany. And I was like, well, of course. So, uh, ever since then, that's pretty much how I approach walking into breweries. And so now I've gone back to, wow, I really like these clean, you know, clean, crisp styles, these classic lagers, uh, you know, that you can drink a few of, uh, as, as opposed to maybe those haze boys or uh, heavy adjuncted stouts where you're like, yeah, one or two and I'm good for the day. So, yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 so it's it's funny i have that same exact approach um because i've been i've been brewing uh home brew uh home brewer for 15 or so years um i've done collaboration brews with the other breweries i've helped breweries come up with recipes so i same same exact thing i walk in and i'm gonna i want to look and see and if they happen to have like a, a traditional lager or a pilsner or something like that on on their lineup i will try that first because you mm -hmm. can't hide behind it because the the, the grain bill is so simple on that that it will show every flaw. Yep. And if they if they make a good one of those, yeah, you know, you you're right. Yeah, if, if that's good, then chances are the rest of their beers are good. Now, mm. I'm not one to uh, shy away from uh, adding adjuncts and things if I have a brew that goes sideways for me. But you know, it is what it is. You, if you're making something like that, you, you can't hide behind it. You you might as well not even present that if it's going to be funky. So. Right. Right. I agree. And uh, and since we're kind of, you know, we're talking about German beers, uh, when I did my first collab with uh, Smoketown Brewing, uh, and they were the first guest on our show back in 2019, so that's why I picked them, uh, I said, hey, how about a Keller beer? And they were like, oh, well, we've never done that before. And I said, yeah, I really like that style. You know, it's just it's a young lager. It's an unfiltered lager. I said, I, I just really like that. I said, I don't see enough of them around. So why don't we do that uh, with hibiscus? And they were like, oh, we've never used hibiscus either. So uh, so that was an, <laughs> it was an exciting collab that uh, went went really, really well, but kind of fits into our theme of light, easy drinking German style beers. Nice, nice. So uh, people who might be interested, uh, Hellas lagers and typically most lagers uh, for food pairings. Uh, if you're looking for something a little bit uh, on the exotic side, you can go with samosas. If you're looking for a cheese, it goes well with like a Colby or a Jack. Uh, and if you're looking for a sweet dessert type thing to go with it, you can't go wrong with uh, baklava. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for 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 your knowledge, if you don't know, and for people who might just be tuning in their first time, uh, I am I am a certified beer nerd. Uh, I've, I've I mean, I'm a low level certified beer nerd. I haven't made it all the way to the top yet. But uh, one of the things that we did talk about was um, was was pairings. And, you know, mm -hmm. how to how to figure out what beers go with what. So I always try and give at least a few options. If people want to try things with foods. Um, you know, uh, here in Canada, we, they don't have the uh, the Cicerone program like they have in the States. It's it's called Prodome, but it's mm -hmm. uh, it's an analog to it. Um, and, you know, I, I've got uh, my level one certification in that, which is uh, called Beer Enthusiast. And I mean, that's definitely what I am. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's pretty cool. So the, the level one certification actually focuses more on the social aspects of beer, hmm. which I thought was rather interesting. So, you know, it's trying to make beers more approachable and being able to describe beers in language that everybody would understand. You know, I think that's great. I mean, that's a really a nice approach because... We'll just say that there are some breweries, and I think the attempt is to make it approachable, 
by describing it, but it's often comes across as pretentious with, you know, well, we taste this, this, and this in this beer. And I'm like, well, everyone's palates are really different. So if I don't taste that, do I not enjoy the beer? Do I not know what I'm talking about? You know, whatever. So right. it sounds very cool that they're saying, hey, let's find ways to have an approachable language and uh, and get more people into this craft beer. Yeah, it, it is. I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a, a fantastic way to do it. Um, you know, so you, you don't you don't uh, focus on like uh, super specific flavors. You're like, oh, well, this one you should taste. It should taste kind of like a biscuit or like bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you might say, oh, this one tastes more like whole wheat bread as opposed to white bread. But that's about as far as you really need to go just to try and get people. So they so they have something that, that they're familiar with that they can go, oh, I know what that kind of tastes like. OK, mm-hmm. I might actually like this beer. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I think sometimes we overcomplicate things in uh, in the craft beer world, and we're like, "Hey, just just keep it simple." It's like coaching. We're like, "Just keep it simple. Don't make it overcomplicated for your athletes. Uh, let them play the game." And so, yeah, very similar. Yeah, <laughs> follow the kiss method, right? Keep mm-hmm. it simple, stupid. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you might have mentioned this, and I might have missed it because sometimes I'm I'm trying to think of of things to say while while my guests are talking, which I know is a terrible trait. How long have you been in the beer industry? Uh, well, I would say probably you kind of consider the the podcast and everything. So probably really 2019. Um, you know, I, I would okay, say that. So so yeah. only the last few years. Yeah, we're okay. still relatively new. You know, having a love of craft beer and and doing home brewing. You know, nowhere near the scale that you do. Um, it was been this long standing love of craft beer, but to quote unquote be in the industry, uh, I would say probably you know the podcast 2019 moving forward and as November. So yeah, just a few years really. Awesome. So so and, and I assume you're enjoying your your stint here in uh, craft in the in the beer world. I am enjoying the craft beer world. Uh, I'm not sure if I've quite found the niche that um, I enjoy. Um, I think that uh, I would probably enjoy the brewing side more, um, but I know that I don't have enough of the background and experience to necessarily pick up a job along that lines. So production, I'm close enough at a lot of people cross over, so that could happen. Yeah, uh, But I do think that uh, I haven't quite found the niche that will make me the most happy in this industry. Well, you know, if you if, if you don't have enough experience to get the job brewing beer, you could always just start your own brewery. It didn't stop tons of other people out there. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But uh, I do have enough of a business acuum to know how horribly that can fail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I yeah. if it goes that way down the road, which I do have a friend who would really like to see that happen, I said, oh, there's so much more knowledge I need to acquire before we actually put real money versus monopoly money up for this. <laughs> right, right, right. No, yeah, total, totally get it. Um, you know, my wife and I looked at starting a, a brewery here in Ontario. Uh, it's actually when I when I moved here from the States. Uh, I had retired from my job, and the the plan was I, I was going to open a brewery. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered how many hoops you have to jump through here in Ontario to open a brewery and be able to sell and distribute. And and uh, I had I had a, a fair amount of money earmarked for it, and I found out it was only about you know half to maybe a third of what I actually would have needed to get everything up and running. And 
And, you know, I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm just going to have a kick-ass home brewery. <laughs> and I will say for your, your viewers probably know from following you on social media and everything, but uh, I'm very impressed with the uh, home brewing situation that you have and the new equipment that you got recently. And uh, it's very impressive. I mean, I know some small nano breweries, if you would, down here in Maryland, one barrel brewing systems and things where I'm like, you're right there brewing with them. You're basically a brewery. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I had, um, I had the head brewer from, um, Lake of Bays brewing on hmm. and we were talking about my new system and he's like, yeah, that's better than what we started with for the business at Lake of Bays. We were still using propane burners and, uh, you know, 30 gallon, 30 gallon buckets and things like that. When we started, I'm like, yeah, well, I figured if I was going to have a home brewery, I was going to have a really good home brewery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice. Like I said, I've seen pictures on social media. It's, nice and i i love the love the logo and the branding that you have for it it's it's sharp yeah so the logo and the branding was from the brewery that we were going to start we had gotten far enough that we had incorporated we had had uh you know we'd done the uh, the the name search and gotten our name trademarked and gotten a logo trademarked so um even though we decided not to go forward with the rest of the brewery i kept all that stuff and now that's just what i use for all my personal stuff that's awesome. Yeah, I see it right up there above the screen with us, and I'm like, it's just, it really stands out. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, for for for, uh, for for those who might not be familiar, when if you go through my social media post and you see the logo, um, it's uh, it's Cthulhu, uh, who is my one of my favorite um, weird science fiction uh, characters from uh, my favorite author of H.P. Lovecraft, mm -hmm. and then he's rolling a, a twenty sided die, and it's come up on a twenty, which in role-playing games and tabletop games is called a critical hit mm -hmm. so that was that was going to be the name of the brewery was critical hit brewing so that's what we still use uh for for the homebrew stuff and uh, we just like the logo enough that we kept it <laughs> that's awesome that's great it's a great story too i love it that's part of what i really yeah, well, enjoyed doing with my podcast was i was like tell me your unique and interesting stories in the craft brewing industry things that you're not going to see on a website or you don't necessarily know by walking in the brewery you know things that are really going to endear people to your brewery and understand your story and your journey uh so I, I had to i had to ask and i was like tell me about this this logo and this home brewing system it's that's awesome rob yeah yeah. So, and, you know, and just to, uh, just to, to keep things rolling, uh, even, even for the homebrew stuff, I've got a friend who I met, uh, via social media here in Ontario, who's, uh, an illustrator for children's books. And he actually does all my beer logo labels for me. Nice. So like when I do a new brew, I'll say, Hey, I'm looking for a, for a, for a, a label, even though I'm not canning everything, everything goes in kegs, but I do display what I have on tap in my, in my, uh, my garage area mm -hmm. up on a, on a big screen. So people can see what it is. And he designs all my logos for me. And they're absolutely fantastic. That's really cool. And, and I, now that you say that, I can see that slightly cartoonish nature to it that has that kind of whimsical quality to it. When I don't think you probably, anyone would say whimsical and Cthulhu in the same sentence, but he's managed to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, when, uh, when we were looking to open the, the brewery, uh, it was all going to be, it was going to be uh, nerd based. Mm -hmm. So, um, most of the beer recipes and everything that we came up with were, were standard style recipes, but all the names were based on things that we like. So, you know, like I have several beers that are Cthulhu named. I've got uh, a whole series from the Fallout uh, video game because that's my favorite Fallout. Uh, Fallout is my favorite video game franchise. So a lot of my beers have the Fallout stuff. All the stuff that, that uh, was brewed because my wife likes that style has um, Lord of the Rings uh names nice so you know we've got uh we've got like bilbo's best bitter and pippin and mary's bell 
triple Janelle and <laughs> things like that. So, you know, we, we, uh, we were just playing around with all that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, it's it's nice. Even if you're just doing stuff at home, giving your beer an actual name kind of makes it feel more legitimate. Yeah. No, I agree. And uh, you're right in my wheelhouse. My dad uh, raised this one. Uh, sci-fi, fantasy. So growing up reading Tolkien. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's that's very yeah. cool. I can definitely relate to all of that. And uh, maybe one day the brewery will actually be more than just coming out of your garage. And uh, I will have to drive to Canada to visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were uh, so so we were talking about it, and uh, one of the other things that uh, we decided that it was probably a, a good idea that we didn't uh, open our breweries because you know we actually like to travel and take vacations, and when you're starting a new business, uh, pretty much the first five or so years, that's off the table. Right, you can't really you can't take time off. You have to be there for the business and get everything off the ground. So that's another reason why it's probably a better idea that we just have a really nice home brewery. Yeah. Yep. More reasons to have people over. Between that and the uh, beautiful backyard oh, yeah. that you have with the pool and the barbecue and all, I mean, you definitely have a setup to host. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, what's funny is we, we we were just able to have our first um, barbecue in like three years because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we kept it fairly small. I think we had 20, 25 people over, um, which it seems like a lot of people, but uh, I, I, have a, I have a large yard. Yeah. I have a very large lot. I have uh, a three quarters of an acre uh, in my backyard. So, you know, people were able to spread out. And nobody had to be super close to each other if they didn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And and we had tons of chairs and things like that. But it was really nice to finally actually have people over again. And, you know, because the house we have, we bought it because we like to entertain. So it's a big, open concept, free flowing, you know, thing. And, and well, it's just been my wife and I for going on, what, three years now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that is good. I mean, any return to normalcy that we can get or whatever the new normal is going to be, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. Yep. So, yeah. 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 And, and you know, like I said, uh, we, we invited several people over, but everyone we invited were people that we knew um, weren't uh, weren't being morons. You know, they were all vaxxed and most of them were at least one, if not double boosted. Exactly. And everybody was careful. And, you know, nobody had to, nobody had to be sardined next to each other because that's not fun, yeah. you know? So we had people wandering in and out of the house. We had people wandering through the backyard. Uh, one of my coworkers brought his kids and they swam in the pool. So yeah, it was, it was, a, it, it felt normal mm -hmm. again, which was really nice. Absolutely. Sounds great. Yeah. How many beers do you so, typically have on uh, tap when, as a home brewer, when you have an event like this, you uh, bring people over? Um, yeah, so uh, I have three taps. Uh, so I have a I have a ten foot commercial cooler uh, with three taps on. It's four doors. Um, so two doors are for the keg area, and then the other two doors are all shelves for cans and bottles. Mm. Um, so I tend to I tend to have three on tap whenever we have people over. Uh, they may or may not be mine. Uh, for this barbecue, none of them were mine. Uh, they were all from local craft breweries because a lot of the people that were coming um, weren't really into the craft beer scene. So I was trying to have beers that i knew were approachable for for them to try because mm -hmm. uh, not all the things i brew are approachable for people who are not comfortable with uh things outside of your lagers because mm -hmm. i tend to brew like heavy stouts and you know quads and and doubles and triples and saisons and people are like oh this tastes kind of funny well yeah okay <laughs> i can see where you would think it would taste funny if, you, if you're coming from like coors lights and, and miller Lite <laughs> right, and things right. like that so yeah so i had um i had a uh a blonde ale, I had an Irish red, and I had an ESB on tap for the uh, nice. for the barbecue. 
That's a, that's another yeah, so style that you, I don't see done often enough um, that I really enjoy is a nice ESB. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm very fortunate uh, in this area. There are some breweries here that make it on the regular, and they make fantastic ones. Um, there's a brewery in Burlington, Ontario, called Nickelbrook that makes a fantastic one called Equilibrium, which is one I had on tap. And then um, there's another brewery also in Hamilton uh, called Clifford. They make one called the Dark Streets of London, which is uh, very reminiscent, if you've ever had Fuller's yeah. ESB, very reminiscent of a Fuller's. So it's same same exact flavor profile. It's absolutely fantastic. So I'm spoiled for choice up here when it comes to things like that, because a lot of the breweries up here uh, make great English-style beers. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, Canada's got that whole UK connection and things like that. So Yeah, that's awesome. I'm switching it up. I finished off my Hellas, and now I'm switching over to uh, Chainlink, which is a Vienna lager from Clifford Brewing, the one I was just talking about, that makes the uh, the great ESP. Nice, nice. Yeah, so, I will probably move to the. It's getting Bittner, a little. It's getting a little. Actually, I'll probably go Bitburger <laughs> Pilsner after this, but I'm still enjoying my Hellas. It was uh, it was really nice. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's fine, Stefano, but uh, it was a very yeah. clean, very crisp. Maybe a little bit of a hint of a floral note. But uh, just a really light, easy drinking, clean beer. Um, so, good. It was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I finished mine a little fast because uh, so my my recording booth uh, is is a, it's a converted closet. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, my camera. I remember seeing track, the pictures on that. So it's probably a little warm in there. <laughs> it's a little warm in here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's probably eighty five degrees Fahrenheit in here right now. Um, Rob, you need to put a fan in. I mean, yeah. somewhere out of the camera view, well, just put a fan in. <laughs> It's it's in it's in the plan. So uh, this closet space actually backs up to um, my house has has a, a full basement and two crawl spaces. And this closet actually happens to back up to one of the crawl spaces, which is always nice and cool. Mm -hmm. So the plan is to uh, to put a fan up above me <laughs> as my camera tracks my hand <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, uh, to put a fan up above me that's pulling air from that crawl space to blow it through. Uh, the problem is trying to find one that's quiet enough because I don't want it to uh, to be picked up by by the microphone. No. Um, yeah. You know, I've switched to a, a dynamic microphone, which is great for uh, blocking a lot of that ambient noise in and of itself. But I think what I'm going to end up doing is buying um, buying like three or four smaller uh, computer fans, uh, the super, super quiet computer fans, and putting them in the ceiling to blow down to keep it cooler in here. And then it'll be nice and quiet because those things, you know, like the, the Noctua brand ones are super quiet. You can't even hear them when they're running full bore. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering with the uh, the green screen kind of set up behind you, I was wondering what kind of setup we were going to get. If you're going to have some beautiful mountains projected back there or <laughs> forests. <laughs> no. So I bought that. I, I bought that originally for for doing virtual backgrounds and things like that, but uh, right now all it is doing is hiding my winter coats because <laughs> they're still hanging behind me. <laughs> uh, the the plan is to to uh, take take the rest of the closet stuff out of here and put shelves and put all my my weird tech and geek tchotchkes behind me, so when I'm recording I have an interesting background. But for right now, it's a nice boring green background. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun when you have all of your 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 toys in the background behind you. Yep, yep. Yeah. So tell me about the beer you're drinking now, the Vienna Lager. So this is a yeah, this is a Vienna Lager, um, and this one is very true to style. It's um, got a nice uh, bit of caramel uh, in the flavor. Uh, again, it's another uh, another one that's a heavy malt profile. So it's uh, 
it's it's uh it's bready it's got caramel it's sweet um there's no real bitterness to this one you you might get a tiny bit of it on the finish um it comes in it's this nice this nice uh well on camera it looks it looks more golden but in person it's got more of like an amber hue to mm -hmm. it um it's got a, it's got a bright white brilliant foam and sticks around a little bit has decent legs on the glass uh, again, it, it comes in, I think like four and a half percent. So it's another one you can drink a few of them and not feel overly guilty about Right. It. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, Vienna lager, admittedly for me, not a style that I drink a lot of. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not <laughs> as heavily into the malted backbones uh, of the beers that you are. I mean, I do enjoy a good Oktoberfest and, uh, on March and, but, uh, for me, if it's really heavily malted, uh, too deep in the caramel, but it becomes a little sweet. So for me, a lot of Vienna lagers I have yep. just a little too sweet for me. Uh, but maybe I haven't found the right one. Yeah, well, no. I, to be fair, I mean that's 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 typical of the style. It's going to be a sweeter beer. I mean, it's you know, it's it's a uh, it's designed that way on purpose to be a more sweet beer. But it's still got a nice clean finish to it, which mm -hmm. is nice. So you get that sweet caramel in your mouth, and then uh, it disappears rather quickly. Uh, again, this one pairs well with, uh, with like, uh, this one actually pairs really well with burgers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, you know, red meats and things like that, uh, it pairs well with, uh, sharp cheddar cheese and, uh, for dessert it, uh, if you're trying to complement it, it pairs well with like, a like a nice, um, shortbread cookies or, or even, uh, even like a, uh, I don't know, like a, like a, a vanilla cake, okay. um, something like that. It would go well. Nice. With. So, nice. Oh, good. Well, yeah. we're staying in our German theme. Uh, I am a huge fan of Rochbeers, uh, which is a, oh, yeah. it's, it's a hard line. It's a hard line, Rob. When I talk to people, they're either like, oh, I really love that too. Or most of the time it's, oh, that's terrible. I hate that. It's like, I'm being at a campfire. I have a cigarette ashtray in my mouth. And I was like, what beer are you drinking that tastes like a cigarette right? ashtray? You, <laughs> you. So. All right. Yeah. No. Um. There's a there's a brewery in Toronto called uh, Muddy York that makes one called Jailfire, which is probably one of the best uh, rock beers I've ever had that isn't from a German brewery. Oh, beautiful. Following all the Renatska book, <laughs> all the German purity laws. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, rock beers are great. Uh, one of my other favorites is uh, Icebox. Yes. Um, I don't know if it's hard to find, very hard to find, or at least down box. here it is. It's yeah, no, it, I mean, it's, it's a hard to find style in most places there. Um, there's a place in Ottawa that makes one. It only comes out once every five years wow. because it's a pain in the ass to make, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, well, you have to, you have, basically, you have to make all your wart and then you have to basically bring it down to, uh, to freezing temperatures and, and, uh, take a lot of the ice off. So then, mm -hmm. you know, so then, so it gets rid of the water in it to make it, to make it a uh, higher alcohol content. And it's a pain in the butt to do. So, you know, they don't do it because it's, it's hard. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like a lot of places that don't make lagers because lagers take a lot of time and time is money when you're a small brewery. Right. right. When I talk with brewers, uh, especially in the second season, we, we added a different segment on the back end where the back end used to front end used to be more of, you know, about the brewery and their history and different things like that. And then the back end was more about them personally and what they do within a brewery and their background and all. Uh, and then, um, I had a friend Rob up in Canada, uh, and now he's in Alaska. Uh, his wife's in the Canadian air force. So they move around a lot. Uh, and he had suggested uh, what he called straight from the tap. And there were seven rapid fire questions. And I kind of adapted that and used it. 
And one of the questions that I will ask is, what style do you wish more people appreciated, drank, or brewed? And almost 100% of the time, the brewers are saying lagers. And almost 80% of the time, their brewery is not brewing any lagers. <laughs> uh, and the conversation yeah. is, what, you love this beer, but you don't brew any. And they're like, well, we don't have the tank space, and so we, we can't. Yep. And I'm like, I, I understand that. Uh, you know, but again, with your point about the Canadian yeah. icebox, I'm like, it's cold enough up there. You'd think they'd brew that a lot. <laughs> you would think you would think, yeah, you could throw it out in the Canadian icebox out in the backyard and, and, uh, call it, call it a done deal. But yeah, loggers are one of those things that smaller breweries, you know, either they're going to do it or they're not. If, if they're going to do it, that's pretty much all they're going to mm -hmm. do because, you know, a, a, a standard ale, you can you can knock out in anywhere from 7 to 13 days and have it ready to drink. Whereas a lager, 7 to 13 days, <laughs> you're only about a third of the way through, my friend. Right, right. <laughs> That's why I tried to find that happy medium when we so, brewed that Keller beer. Because I was like, well, it's the happy medium. It's a young lager. You don't have to let it sit as long. Uh, but, yeah. 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 Yeah, and you know, lagers are one of those things like uh, that, that that are like most beers. Uh, when you find a place that does them uh, well, um, that tends to be what they really specialize in because lagers can be hard mm -hmm. to do. And uh, you know, if you're going to be doing a lot of lagers, then you're going to be spending a lot of your time on that. You're not going to typically you're they're not going to brew as many other beers because they're spending so much time babysitting beers for a month, month and a half, right. you know, per right. batch. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Awesome. All right. Well, Jerry, uh, we've been talking for 36 oh. minutes. Uh, this is the part where I go, hey, this is the end of the show. <laughs> um, if people want if people want to find you out on the interwebs, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, well, I appreciate that, Rob. Uh, they go to the website is uh, sharepintpodcast.com. Uh, the only social media that I do is, is Twitter, and that's share underscore pint. Uh, just... Everybody's like, oh, you got to get on Instagram, you get on Facebook, you got to do this. And I'm like, I'm a one-man band and just don't have the time for it. <laughs> so uh, I, I try to keep it under something that I can manage. Um, we, we do have video versions of the show on YouTube. Uh, I would say that our show is a lot different than what people would expect for a craft beer show video-wise. Uh, it's much more like a television show multiple angles and uh, I, I shoot a lot of b-roll so you know but we were talking about your backyard and your brewing system i would have pictures of that that we would cut to and people could see what's going on and all so i really try to give people a visual impression of what the breweries are like and things like that so uh that's been very enjoyable for people to say oh i don't live anywhere near maryland but you know this brewery i would love to go visit if i came by or i went down to georgia and filmed an episode there and they're like wow that was beautiful it was like a movie set it looked like a, a midwestern you know log cabin from minnesota or wisconsin i was like that's what they were going for it's really pretty isn't it and they're like yeah so uh, i try to give people a little bit more of an experience that uh, that they won't get from just going to a website or if they can't visit the uh, brewery itself Man, you're all fancy and stuff. Here I am just sitting in a damn closet <laughs> with a green curtain behind me. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, uh, this this episode will be out, uh, I think, the last week of August, I think, is when it's slated for this episode to go out. Um, so, you know, uh, until then, uh, Jerry, it's been fantastic. And everyone who's watched, I appreciate it. Until next time. I'm Rob from the internet. Prost. Cheers.